Hi, healers. I'm KJ Nazrol, a licensed mental health practitioner and a recovering secret artist. I'm the founder of Bliss Begins Within and the wellness program Healing Our Healers. I believe we all have remarkable courage within and that we can heal ourselves and many others by listening to the wisdom of our unique personal experiences and in sharing our stories out loud with our communities. Weekly episodes will feature recorded interviews and live sessions with healers, visionaries, and change makers who will guide us in how to live more creatively and resiliently through artful expression, music, and compassionate conversations. Welcome to Stories of Astonishing Light. Thanks for joining me for the second part of my interview with Michelle, a registered nurse neonatal ICU lactation consultant, and frontline essential worker. Let's drop back into where we left off. Michelle had just walked into her patient's room and was stunned by what she discovered. Her first words to me were, you know, I'm really tired. And I was like, tell me about that. And that's how I found that information. I went and talked to the nurse afterwards and the nurse looked at me and she was like, what? And I'm like, yeah, this is a vacation for your patient. So you think you could just treat it like it's a vacation for her? The patient was like, this is a vacation for me. She's like, thank God I have this quiet time and this opportunity to connect with my family, be of service and help. Right. So patients teach me all the time. Like, you know, I, I'm a, I feel like I'm a pretty judgmental person and patients remind me all the time to like not be so judgmental. And I just think that's God's way of reminding me, don't be so judgmental, Michelle. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I need a moment to soak in the gift that you just gave in like the last minute. Um, I mean, you just got into gold by saying, I am learning. And the way that I'm learning is that I ask open-ended questions and something as simple as, well, yeah, tell me about that. Tell me more about that. Um, and how, how your patients are actually teaching you and reminding you about your own, your own parameters, your own um, preconceived ideas, um, the power of conversation and, and asking open-ended questions is really prevalent for me right now because there are so many unknowns and what an opportunity, right? What an opportunity to learn than what we didn't know before. Right. I, in the last several years, probably in the last four or five years of my nursing career, and I'm talking as a nurse, not necessarily as a lactation consultant, but, um, several years ago I taught, I taught, um, OB portion, uh, clinical, uh, for UC Irvine uh, nursing students. And it was fabulous. It was fun. I would do it in a heartbeat again if it coincided with my schedule. One of the things that was really big for me to teach students was how to sit down at the bedside and listen to the patients because that is a truly valuable skill because sometimes we learn things that we need to know in order to understand where the patient's coming from. Or we find little gems of information that can be really helpful to help the doctors out. And I'm like a very inquisitive person. I'm very investigative. (laughs) Um, So that was my challenge to my students was 
for at least one time during that small quarter, we had like 10 weeks or something of clinical was I challenged them to pull up a chair and to just have a conversation with a patient and engage in something other than why, you know, just engage with the patient. Um, Cause those are very valuable skills. And I was trying to teach them um, that even though this is an OB rotation, we're not all going to do OB. OB is a specialty. Um, but that was a skill that they all needed because it was going to be valuable for the future, our future nurses. So right now in nursing, we're really struggling with bringing, um, being personable at the bedside because of all the um, technology we're using at the bedside and our patients feel like we're just staring at a screen. We're not really talking to them. Mm. So anything you can do to, you know, bring that personability to the bedside um, is actually really amazing gift you can give your patient. And several patients um, that I've taken care of over the years um, have like friended me on Facebook and I'm not talking like a lot, but a few. It's those patients that I had the time to spend time with and get to know. Maybe they stayed with us for a really long time in the hospital. Because as a nurse, like especially the type of nursing I was doing, people, maybe they were in the hospital for a long time. We took care of them. They have their baby. We don't ever see them again. We don't know what happens. We spend mm. all this time trying to keep people pregnant. We would, I would love to know what happens to everybody's baby. Like, I want to know the outcome, you know? Mm. And sometimes I spent time with the patients and then they had traumatic deliveries. Like, I, I always tell patients, well, you're no longer my patient. I'm on Facebook. You can find me on Facebook. Um, I've had a few patients take advantage, you know, like I accept that offer And I don't go and friend my patients. I let them, you know, friend me or whatever. Um, But I put it on the table, like, um, when you're no longer a patient, we can be friends. Um, It's just just nice to know. And it's nice to know that in some way, maybe I've impacted somebody's life every day. I've been doing this, like, for 15 plus years. And um, it's hard to do sometimes when... You don't really know if you're making an impact, but you're hoping you're making an impact. Yeah. There were so many nuggets of gold that I think probably you don't have enough time to get to today, but we'll have to have you back. And probably it'll be at um, evening happy hour time. So it might be a cocktail hour conversation if you're okay with that. That's my favorite kind of hour. Me too. So, (laughs) but you said a few things that really are the pillars of why I wanted to do this platform of conversations on a podcast, because I think there's something to be said about the skills behind listening and that it's actually something that needs to be taught because it's not a natural thing. Um, even though you might be in a healing and helping profession, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're hearing what your patients have to say. And I love that you give assignments to your students saying, no, I just want you to pull up a chair and listen, have a conversation, connect with the human, not the patient, not the number, the medical record number that's on the chart, but the actual person that is in your presence today. Because I assure you, there is a story there's always a story. And I actually, I finally sat, as you're talking, I finally remembered the, what I call it. I, I say it's called 
bringing humanism back to the bedside. No way. For those who can't see me, I have my hands raised going, yes, humanity. Humanity. Our patients need to feel like they're human and we're all human. You know, the people treating them are human. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me tell you about a little experience I had with one of my resident doctors a couple of years ago. This amazing couple, um, they really impacted my heart. Um, They have had, I believe, I don't know if they've had more than three, but I know that they've had three fetal demises. That is where the baby passes away at a, um, you know, higher gestation than 12 weeks. Mm. Um, they had, they have a daughter, by the way, they have an existing child and it was very befunding to everybody why this kept happening to this couple. But I believe it was the second time this had happened to them uh, that they came in and I was their nurse and we you know, and I was the person that sat down and I listened and we talked and we chatted and we really um, got to connect. And I'm not kidding, a year or less later, they came in again and had lost another baby. Mm. And, and I wasn't even their nurse. I saw them and I knew something was wrong. And I was not assigned to them, but I think I was maybe assigned as the baby nurse that day and it wasn't busy. And I was going and looking for pillows and things to make them comfortable. And um, I went and spent some time talking to them and, um, you know, just hugging them and loving on them. They were just such a really neat couple. And by the way, they, uh, the girl, she, um, she is my friend on Facebook and Instagram. Um, I've kept in contact with her because she's a really, they're really an interesting couple, really unique and very sweet. Um, I remember when the doctor walked in the room and he couldn't even talk. He was just crying in tears and he was so sorry for them and sorry for their loss. And, um, I remember him walking out of the room and he was like, Oh my, Oh, one of the things he was worried about being unprofessional in front of them, uh, because he cried. And when he came out of the room, I said to him, I was like, you don't ever need to apologize to patients for having feelings. I was like, those people needed to see that you were feeling their pain Mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. I was like, that is what makes us human. Our emotions are what make us human. And there is a place for that at the bedside. And I was like, that was completely appropriate for you to cry with them. I'm like, we're all sad. We would love to see them have another child. They're an amazing couple. Like they make amazing children. Like, um, and I just told that doctor, I was like, if you can do me a favor, just don't ever lose that about yourself. (laughs) Um, you know, if I could, if I could teach that to all the residents to have that type of sensitivity, um, uh, that would be, fucking amazing if all the doctors could have that much um sensitivity towards a patient's loss Mm. um what a better world it would be you know Mm. yeah so i validated that he was not wrong he did not need to apologize and i was like don't ever change 
Yeah. I love this about you. Yeah. I gave him the biggest hug. <laughs> I'm so glad you did. Yeah. How much of that actually is a reflection of our society? If someone feels like they have to apologize for having an emotional reaction to great grief, there is heartbreak. It is okay to cry and actually be like, this is, this is not okay. There's something really wrong about this. And I love that your message is, is let's, let's reconnect. Let's reconnect with the human behind us all. Um, I love that you let that doctor know that that was entirely appropriate. If anything, probably the saving grace in those moments. Because how many times, unfortunately, would a patient say that they didn't feel very held or supported or um, listened to by their professional? Their healthcare professional, I'm using air quotes. How is it healthy that we don't speak about the actual emotions that come about with this really difficult work? Right. You know, being a person that's lost two pregnancies, I would have loved if the doctor came in my room crying for me. Mm. You know, and I, you know, and I kind of felt like my doctor was just like, oh, well, you're a nurse. You know how this works. You know why this happens. And I just remember like (laughs) having a jaw dropping moment. Like, I can't believe you just fucking said that to me. Right. And I remember kindly reminding my doctor, well, right now I'm not a nurse. I'm not thinking like a nurse. I'm thinking like a mom and I'm a patient. So after that experience, I had. Um, I have a tendency not to tell doctors that I'm a nurse unless they ask me what I do for a living because I want to be treated like a patient, number one. And number two, I don't want to be treated like I know everything. And I don't, I don't Mm -hmm. claim to know everything. I know a lot about women's uteruses and their breasts and their vagina, (laughs) but I do not know a lot about anything else. (laughs) And I know a lot about infant behavior because um, I'm such a deep specialty. Uh, my jo- mm. I never want to intimidate another healthcare professional not to give me good care because they're intimidated by me. No, anything. Well, that makes you all the more accessible, warm, trusting, and human. Um, I feel the same way. I would absolutely gravitate towards and connect with any medical professional in my, in my realm that wouldn't seem robotic, wouldn't seem unfeeling. I immediately am drawn to the people that seem to be actually engaged and actually um, capable of having some sort of emotional response to things. So I applaud you. I thank you. I want more of you. I would love to know that you're maybe creating some sort of program where you can continue to teach people some of this basic kindness and bedside manner and humanity. Is there anything like that in the works for you? Uh, no, I didn't know I was. <laughs> I didn't know I was on the right track to anything. I'm just being oh, wow. myself. Um, you know, I do have a little tiny aspiration in going back to school. Hmm. Um, I'm not super sure what it is that I want to study. Um, the nursing world is very biased and only kind of considers you, you know, higher education if it's in nursing. Um, so I kind of, I emotionally struggle with that. 
Um, I do really enjoy talking to people. Like that's probably the thing that gets me the most in trouble at work. (laughs) Not that I get in trouble with my boss, but like I could literally a nurse more, more, more or less this happens in the neonatal intensive care than it does in postpartum. But a lot of times I'll get called to the bedside and for a breastfeeding thing, it could be anything. And, um, you know, then the next thing, you know, Michelle's sitting there getting the life story of this mom and, um, we're having this really good connection. And I'm like, you know, this is a really stressful time. You might want to consider getting some therapy. (laughs) Because you see where the need is, not just the surface bullshit, but what's actually happening beneath. And then, then you, you support having someone find support. People tell me, some stuff. And I'm like, I am just the lactation nurse. And I'm like, and now it's like, I'm not just the lactation nurse. Boy, people unload on me all the time. And, um, you know, I'm not necessarily trained in how to do that. But, you know, I always write really nice emails to my social workers to help patients Mm. find therapists. And they're so cute. They never like, they never bash me for like telling everyone they need therapy. Um, but you know, if anybody out there knows what it's like to have a sick baby or a baby in the neonatal intensive care or to have a traumatic birth, um, that is considered trauma. And, um, most moms need a place that's safe to explore their thoughts and feelings about that birth. Um, you know, what they're feeling about their baby being sick. You know, if you're married or in a significant relationship with somebody, all of that gets impacted by the birth of a sick child or um, a traumatic birth experience. Mm. You become that safe haven for people. Yeah, people tell me stuff. I'm the person in the grocery store that old people stop and talk to, (laughs) and they tell me the weirdest stuff. That was way back before COVID when I used to go to the grocery store. Now I just get Instacart and old people don't have a chance to attack me in the grocery store. But um, I am the face that people talk to for no reason in the grocery store. I don't know. I love I'm just that. that. I'm just that person. I'm well, the person I that gets it. talked to. And so you may have just written content for me for the next three years. <laughs> um, so I'm going to keep you on retainer, my good friend. Sounds amazing. I do believe you that you have people wanting to tell you, tell you stories. And it all boils down to this humanistic quality that people, I believe, take for granted. I also believe that because of COVID and the way that we are with the shelter in place and not knowing what next steps are, that people are really realizing that they have been either isolated, disconnected, they don't have the language, and they don't have the skills to actually listen. And that's all you're saying is that if you would just be quiet and if you would just pull up a chair and say, what's happening, what's going on, and then close your mouth and listen to what the treasures are that are being offered. I just, I can't impress enough how important and valuable a skill that is. And I just love knowing that there is someone like you on the floors of these hospitals doing that, providing that space. Got to keep talking about some of these conversations you're having. I'm sure the stories are wild and heartbreaking and triumphant. Um, 
I'll give a shout out to one of our NICU moms right now. Yeah. Um, her baby has been in our neonatal intensive care for well over 200 days. <gasps> wow. Yes. Mm. Her baby is. Yeah. Um, at one point when I sat down to talk to her, she revealed that right before she, I believe, found out she got pregnant, her brother committed suicide. And there was like all this stress in her family and um, because we were like trying to, we couldn't quite, other than like all the health issues she had that made her deliver early and, you know, we were trying to like figure out like why she had like a low milk supply. We were really like, you know, trying to pinpoint what the problems were. Nobody knew, not even the social workers knew that her brother committed suicide. and. Because I sat there and listened to her and I talked to her every day when she came in. She was really consistent. She came in the same time every day. And I was worried about her for some physical aspects she was presenting with. And me being the perinatal nurse and my science brain, I couldn't turn it off as the lactation consultant. Um, I was concerned about her health and wanting to make sure that she was following up with all the right doctors she needed to. I had even gone to some of our uh, high-risk doctors and said, hey, there's this mom. She, and unfortunately for her, she didn't deliver in our hospital, so the doctors didn't know her case. But um, she uh, had presented with all these interesting uh, symptoms. And I was concerned that she was you know, having organ failure of some kind or something else was going on. Um, and I was trying to make sure that she was following up with all the right doctors. So I kind of like, I wrote her for a really long time, probably like the first four months um, her baby was in the hospital. Um, and literally like I'd walk up to her and go, Hey, how you doing? And I'd check like the swelling in her legs. <laughs> um, because I was so concerned. Um, and one of the, you know, and I'm, I'm super friendly, like, you could be like, I just need someone to talk to. And I'll be like, okay, let me sit down and talk to you. What do you need to talk about? Let's talk about it. And I don't remember how the conversation got started, but um, I was able to figure out that her brother had committed suicide. And that blew my mind. Like, it just blew my mind. I was like, I didn't know how this woman was coping with any of this. And I was like, have you considered getting some therapy? And I didn't know how to say it, you know, like without, you know, getting myself into trouble. And she was like, yeah, I really, you know, I, I really do need to talk to somebody and, you know, sent that email off to the social worker. They were, you know, they were all glad that I was able. And I kind of have, I have a reputation in the NICU now, like, oh, that mom's crying. Oh, call Michelle. Ah, that is a great reputation to have, friend. I know. And the nurses will call me, but in in postpartum, the doctors will call me. They'll be like, Michelle, we have a situation. Can you go fix this mom? Can you talk to her? Yeah, it's You have created your your own code has been created. The Michelle code. Oh, I I wish I was actually good at my real job, like good at what I was supposed to be doing, but I'm not. So I'm trying to figure out what the next step is in my career. And I only say that because I'm, I am great at breastfeeding. Yes, I can, 
I can help people breastfeed. But like all the stuff behind the scenes, I'm not very, I'll admit I'm not very, in my opinion, I'm not very good at it. So I have been contemplating going back to school to get my master's in uh, mental health as a nurse practitioner. Mm. I really, I know, I really have a heart for moms struggling with postpartum depression or any other psychological disorder and drugs. So I work in an area where there's a lot of people addicted to drugs and we are starting to see more moms in programs. And those are the moms I love. I love moms with pro- I love moms with problems because I like <laughs> to encourage them. And any way that I can, I mean these women are so brave. They are trying to recover from like in my mind the worst thing ever and that's being a drug addict because your brain is impacted by drugs and you crave drugs um people kind of don't even i don't understand it fully but um the way that drug addict like the trauma behind why people become drug like i'm just fascinated by all of it but these moms need our support the most because not only are they trying to raise a baby but they're at most risk for going back to drugs in the postpartum period because it is extremely stressful. Not only are they recovering from being a drug addicted person themselves, but they're at the most risk for using drugs in that postpartum period because having a baby and dealing with a baby who's addicted to drugs is extremely difficult. It's hard enough becoming a mother And these people are not used to giving of themselves that much. And they need our support more than anybody else. And um, it gives me a lot of help to give them hope um, because people need hope. Absolutely. I am going to pause right there. What a really appropriate place to pause on hope. I have just a couple more questions, at least for today. I have now about 25 more questions for next time we meet. This has truly been fascinating. I could listen to you for days and um, I may arrange it so that we can have have like a week-long summit of just story exchanges from the trenches. Um, I appreciate you and admire you so much. I thank you so much for sharing some of just a little tidbit of what your everyday experience is like and how impacting it is. Um, so I just have a couple of, and I call them wrap up questions are almost, they're not even rapid fire anymore because how do you answer something in one or two words? But I am curious if you could say what kind of first comes to mind for you when I ask a couple questions. So. Number one, what is one thing that everyone comes to you for? Advice. Usually it's medical advice and um, I can't always answer people's questions because what I do is so specific at work. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it. Number two, and I think this is especially important. I'm going to do like flags around this and big shining billboard lights. But because of the nature of your work, how do you take care of yourself? What are your favorite forms of self-care? Well, I love pampering myself. Yes. Um, 
Good. It wasn't, it was not something that has come naturally to me. I'm kind of like the giver give till I die kind of person. <laughs> um, but in the last three years, especially with everything going on in my own life, so my number one is to get my nails done and it doesn't necessarily have to be my fingers, but I always get a pedicure every nice. two to three weeks, um, getting my feet rubbed, you know, that whole series of like, I put out energy, I put out a lot of energy, um, into other people, however you want to say it into the universe. Um, it's escaping my body. So, you know, I have learned it is important to receive back. and so. I have an amazing uh, manicurist. Her name's Amy. Amy, I have been very blessed, has been coming to my house during COVID-19 in the last couple months. Yes, Amy. um, And doing my nails. So high five, Amy. I love you. Yeah. (laughs) And then... We love you. I also, you know, I'm a big fan of the spa. I love the spa. I love spa treatments. I love to get massages. And I did, you know, I was really consistent about doing that. Um, the first year, especially after I left my ex-husband, um, I had a massage every month. Um, and I've been really sad that my Korean spa has been closed. Oh, yeah. I know. Cause I, I probably do that once every, once a month or once every two months. And so Mm. I know you, you've gotten to go with me and see how fun that can be. Um, amazing. Like yeah. To- so yeah. Instead. And so I also used to eat out a lot, so I don't eat out as much anymore. So once a week I do get dinner delivered, nice. you know, um, I kind of let my kids, if they're with me, I'll let them pick like where I get dinner from, but, um, good. It's nice yeah. to not have to worry about dinner at least one night, one night. Yeah. That's my splurge. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Great. I'm going to keep asking you that every time we talk, as you know, what are you doing? What are you doing to take care of yourself? So thank you for having some answers that I know that I can get behind. And I know that you actually, you do follow through on. So I love yes. that. Yes. Okay. Lastly, I know you've mentioned that you're reachable on Facebook and Instagram to certainly to some of your, um, some of your patients, but would you be okay with folks reaching out to you, um, to talk with you more about what you do? And if so, where can we find you? Well, uh, I don't have any interesting thing going like you do, but yeah, I'm totally reachable on Facebook and Instagram. I don't have a special Facebook page or Instagram page yet, but now you're getting me thinking about it. Yeah, maybe think about it. What I can do then is um, write in the write in the show notes so people yeah, can Yeah, you can put my um, Facebook and Instagram account names there. That's totally fine. Brilliant. Yeah. And would you be willing to come back and chat with me some more? For you. Anytime. You're my girl. Thank you again, my love. Um, so we will talk some more. This was amazing. I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us about really the remarkable work that you're doing. So, and thank you. Thank you. It is so much fun catching up with Michelle. Anytime we get together, there's usually a ridiculous amount of laughter involved. And I'm so thrilled you got to listen in on our musings about the compassionate ways that we can connect with one another and maybe even change lives. There's so many takeaways from this episode. 
but I'll summarize the top three here. Number one, look to your children and your own childhood mischiefs for creativity clues on what is soothing and comforting during these unsettling times. Early signs of curiosity might be the key to your freedom and health. When we were children, we refused to be bored. We defied bedtimes, and we looked for all the ways to be inspired. There's such joys and memories of play, research, and exploration. Number two, humans and humanity. Let's look beyond medical record numbers and labels of patients and healthcare providers. Patients and providers are people, and people want to feel supported and cared for. People are allowed to be emotional. The work is deep. The responses will be too. Number three, listen. Have a conversation that allows for open-ended responses. Hold the space for someone to speak about their experiences. What brings them here? In this case, the hospital. Is there trauma? It's likely. If yes, there are probably triumphs too. Listen for it all. We have much to learn about ourselves and those with whom we interact with every day. Also, big shout out to the respiratory therapists. Be sure to check the episode notes to see all the ways you can find Michelle on social media. Watch her evolution of embracing and teaching others empathy. Let her know you heard about her on this podcast. It would thrill us to know that you enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for listening to the Stories of Astonishing Light podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can support this podcast in three different ways. Number one, post a screenshot of the podcast on your Instagram stories or in your feed and tag me at Bliss Begins Within so I can repost you. Number two, share this podcast with a friend whom you think might enjoy it as well. And third, leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts so that we can continue to grow our audience and reach more listeners. I'm so grateful to spend time with you sharing such resilient stories. We'll see you next time.